you have your Bibles, why don't you open with me to John chapter 14. We're in John's Gospel chapter 14. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you and you're new here, my name is Pastor Chris. I'm the senior pastor here at Evangel, and we're so glad that you're with us today. We're in a series of messages entitled The Father's Heart, and today we've been talking uh, leading up to this service, uh, in this message, this is the final message of our series about God's heart as our Heavenly Father. I've learned lessons about this in a way like no other from becoming a father. Fifteen months ago, uh, we gave birth to our daughter, Lily Rose, and she has changed our life for the better, and we're so thankful. Um, and just as I have looked to the Lord for guidance as a father, he's been revealing to me about how he's my heavenly father. And so as some of those lessons have been learned in my heart, um, I felt the Lord just prompting a series of messages regarding that. Over the last two weeks, we've looked at the story of the man that had two sons. It's a story well known as the prodigal son and how God's incredible love reaches out to the prodigal and it reaches out to the other brother that stands in the street that's unwilling to come in and celebrate the good work that the Lord is doing. Today we're going to come to a topic that I believe God really wants us to have and, and understand and not just understand but also to embrace and live out. Uh, for us to understand this, I want to pray that God would now open his word to us. So if you would just join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's open before us. And Lord, we take a moment right now in our hearts to open ourselves before you. Lord God, we ask that you would speak to us clearly from your word. Lord, we stand upon your word. It is our all-sufficient rule for our faith and our practice, Lord God. The way we live our lives, Lord, we want to see it uh, come in line with your word. Lord God, we want it, our, our actions and the way that we carry ourselves, Lord God, to be something that reflects everything that you've called us to do and everything that you've called us to be in this world. So, Lord, we need your help. We know that it can't happen without your spirit's power, Lord, but we thank you that you promised us that you would not leave us as orphans, but you would send us your spirit to guide us into all truth. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in us today. Speak to us and unfold these truths in our hearts and in our lives. In your name, amen. So I've been telling you a few stories, some personal stories about uh, lessons that I've learned as a father and some of the fun and funny things that have happened over my last 15 months uh, into this thing called parenthood. Uh, one of the things that we got out of the way pretty early on was who... Uh, Lily would speak of first, would it be mama or dada? Um, dada won, just in case you're joining the game late here. But on Father's Day, she said mama. So, uh, so that was kind of a small win for Mandy as well, I guess. Uh, but with that, we, we also have another thing that happens all the time. And this happens if you're a parent and you have a small child. Doesn't everyone that walks up to you, they say this one thing, who does she look like more, mom or dad? Who do they look like more, mom or dad? Um, and so I know many of you have done that. Mandy and I have compared notes, and some of you have told Mandy privately that she looks more like her, and then you've come to me and told me that she looks more like me. So the altars will be open at the end of the service for you to repent of that. Um, but, uh, but I was thinking, you know, it would just be great by the time we get through this series of messages if we could have some hard and fast way to settle this score once and for all. So I began to look. I reached out to the greatest minds of the greatest universities. Uh, none of them returned my calls. So I, uh, I went online, and I found this amazing tool that can help us with this question. It's called the lookalike meter. And you put in a picture of the father, and you put in a picture of the mother, and you put in a picture of the child, and it will then say, this is who she looks like more. So how many of you, just by show of hands, think she looks more like my wife than me? Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you think she looks more like me than, than Mandy? 
Okay, good. Well, we're going to see here. This is what the results showed of the look-alike meter. She looks 3% more like me than Mandy. <laughs> Come on, let's hear from it. No, no, okay. Mandy said, I, so I, I waited. I didn't want our home to, to, to be, you know, a, a very uh, difficult place over the weekend. So I waited till this morning at 7 o'clock in the morning and I showed it to Mandy. And I said, I just want to show you these results. I don't want you to be surprised in our first service. And she said, that's fine, but they're wrong. <laughs> she said, you show them a picture of me as a baby and they'll see. I'm not going to do that because I like the 3% uh, in my favor. But, uh, but you can see whenever, and it really is the truth. When, when Mandy's holding her, I'm like, wow, she looks just like you. And then when I see pictures of her, I'm like, wow, she looks like me. And, and I think that's exactly what happens. And I think that it's something that brings great joy to me as a parent that I can see myself reflected in my child. And I think that that's a powerful idea. And I think it's something that every parent would long for. And do you know what I've learned is that our Heavenly Father longs for the same thing. That the Father's image would be reflected in his children. Jesus taught us this whenever he was speaking about the Father. In fact, just as we know, uh, uh, throughout John's Gospel, Jesus uses that word more than anywhere else in the entire Bible that he speaks of God as his Father in heaven. And Jesus said something radical a few chapters back before the passage we're in today. In John chapter 12, if you, uh, if you look here on the screen, it says in John chapter 12, verse 45, Here's what Jesus says. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. Another way of saying this is, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen my Father in heaven. And this was a radical idea. Jesus goes on to say after that, I'm the light of the world, and I've come, and I've only come to do what the Father has instructed me to do. But if you've seen me, you've seen the one who sent me. It continues to show that, whether you look in John chapter 5 or John chapter 8, Jesus is continually reiterating this idea that the image of the Father is reflected in the Son, that you can see God when you look at Jesus. Whenever we get to our passage of Scripture here today, that's what they're talking about. In John chapter 14, this is a point in, uh, in the Gospels where Jesus is instructing his followers about the time that is coming right before them, that he will soon leave them. He's talking about the death he would ultimately die on the cross and that he would ascend to heaven. And it was there that he would then wait for them before sometime when he would return for them to take them to be with him. This is a passage normally read at funerals and I normally will share from this passage of scripture when someone is thinking and remembering a loved one. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house there are many dwelling places and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'm going to one day come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you can also be. Jesus tells them this and gives this promise that he's going away to the Father. And he's going there so he could prepare a place for his followers. But Jesus then goes on. He begins to talk about the intimate relationship between him and the Father. And he wants his disciples for the first time to take the scales off their eyes, to lift the veil, and for them to see clearly who he really is. And here's what he says in John chapter 14, verse 7. Take a look there in your Bible or up on the screen. It says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and you've seen him. Now, Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, speaks up. And here's what he says. Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. If we pause right here, this is what Philip is saying. He's saying, you're saying if we've seen you, we've seen the Father. Just show us a Father then. 
Give us a revelation right now. And Philip's asking a question that we see asked over and over again in Scripture. People want to see the face of God. We see it all the way back in Moses' account where God said, you cannot look upon my face and live, so therefore you'll see just as I pass by. You can see me from behind, but you can't behold me. And so he's asking in this moment, if what you're saying is true, Jesus, then just show us the Father. Let us see him clearly. And that will be enough for us. And Jesus, he turns into this light rebuke to share something back with him. And he says this in verse 9. Have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Look what Jesus is saying there. He's saying, look, everything I'm doing isn't of my own accord. It isn't of my own initiative. I'm carrying out what the Father is having me to do. I'm doing not my own works. I'm doing his works. And believe me, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, otherwise than just believe because of the works themselves. Here's what Jesus is saying, that his ministry, everything he said and did, was a representation of the Father. It was a picture of the Father. They said, when you look at me and when you look at what I've done, what you see is the evidence of the Father. When you see me, because I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Therefore, Jesus was saying that through his life and ministry, he lived to reflect the Father. This is a theme that we see continued throughout Scripture. If you look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says this about Jesus. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. It says, We have not seen God, but we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels. That's what the author of Hebrews says. So it continues to reinforce this idea that when people saw Jesus, they saw God in the flesh. Just as it says in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. So whenever people saw Jesus, they saw the Father. Jesus lived to reflect the Father. When Jesus showed the signs through healings and miracles and the words he spoke, it was literally the Father in action, his love flowing through the ministry and life of Jesus. It says here, one of the authors said it this way, it says the deeds and words of Jesus are both a revelation of God. They both proceed from the Father and they reveal what the Father is like. So when you look at Jesus, you see his Father. Whenever you look at my child, you can see attributes of her father and her mother. Whenever you look at your children, you can see some of those same attributes of their father or of their mother. To go even further, though, is just as I want Lily to grow up and have some resemblance of me, uh, because she is, is a beautiful young girl, I don't want her to look like me for too long. I want her to look more like her mother uh, over time. But you know what I really want more than all of that? I want my heart to be the same as her heart. I want the things that I value. I want my relationship with the Lord to one day become her relationship with the Lord. I want the same things that break my heart when I think about what the Lord desires in my life and the things that he wants to grow me into. I want her to have that same relationship with the Lord, that same burden to walk in the ways that God has for her life. Doesn't every parent want that for their child? 
And so in the same way that you want a child to reflect you, you want them also to reflect your heart. And that's God's ultimate heart for his children, is that we would be an accurate reflection and representation of him, that when people see us, they see him. So as Jesus called his disciples, if you go even one verse later in in verse 12 there, and I don't have it on the screen for you, but you could take a look if you're in your Bible, he goes on to say that anyone who believes in me, truly I say to you, he who believes in me and the works I do, he will also do them and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Jesus made a promise that whoever puts their faith in him, they would go on to do the same works that Jesus had been doing, and even greater works than that because he was going to be with the Father. Do you know what this means? If Jesus' ministry, the works and the actions and the words, were meant to be a revelation of the Father to the world, that the same is true of his followers. That when people see the way that we live our lives, it should be a reflection of God himself at work. Have you ever thought about the way that you live your life and asked yourself this question? Am I reflecting the Father's heart today? That's the question that we need to answer. Does my life reflect the Father's heart? Does my life, does does what I do as I put my trust and my faith in the Lord, does it point people towards him? And there are three ways that we are called to reflect the love of God, the Father's heart. There's really three ways that this can happen. The first one is by the way that we live our lives. Is the way that we're living today reflecting the Father's heart and the Father's great love for us? It's really about the way that we carry on in our lives. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, be very careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It says this, so then... Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That word for walk in the Greek is actually a word that is synonymous with living. So you could also translate this verse, be very careful how you live in verse 15. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity you're given. Why? Because the days are evil. The days are growing darker and darker. I learned this lesson in the summertime. Uh, back when I was a young adults pastor here, we used to put on some movie nights. We now have them in our great gym with the big screen. But before that, we would do drive-ins. Anyone remember going to one of our drive-in movies? Well, um, one of the times that we did one of those drive-in movies, it was on the worst night of the year. It was the longest night of the entire year for daylight. So it wasn't going to... The sun wasn't going to go down until 9 o'clock at night. We didn't realize it. I think, Kevin, you're probably helping me set everything up. And we're looking. Like, oh, it's called the summer solstice. It's the longest amount of daylight of any day. And I'm like, we picked the worst day to have a drive-in movie night, uh, the day with the most light. Well, that day has already passed this year. Um, and I'm thankful. And if you think about it, between now and the end of the year, every single day is going to grow darker and darker and darker. And as I thought about that, I thought, isn't that kind of a narrative of the times that we seem to be living in today? That every day that moves forward seems to be getting darker and darker and darker. Um, y- you know, we, we see so many headlines that are coming. And, and I, I want to be able to engage and share in some of what we're seeing in the world around us. Quite frankly, we could spend hours up here talking just about all that we're seeing in the world, all of the brokenness Um, But first and foremost, I want us to spend time in God's word. But this week, we we saw something of 
uh, mammoth proportion happen in the world around us, especially in our country. Uh, the Supreme Court moved to uh, enact across the entire country a redefinition of marriage um, that no longer would be between one man and one woman, one husband, one wife, but could now uh, incorporate a same-sex marriage, these kinds of things. This was a, a very troubling uh, announcement for many. It was very disheartening, very saddening for those inside of uh, the faith and those that look to God's word. They see this as, as something that is very conflicting, and here's why. It's because we see that God's word has provided us with a definition for marriage. It's very clear what God's definition for marriage is from the beginning. And so now we have in our country, our leaders have come together and they have redefined that. And what really troubles, what's really at the heart of it is that we're beginning to see that there is an incongruency between what we're seeing in God's word and what we're seeing in our laws. And, and, and what started as them being together and found together is now becoming more and more separated. And as a result, it is very discouraging for us to see these kinds of things. Don't stop praying for our lawmakers. Don't stop praying for those in leadership because we trust that this is where God has revealed to us and this is where we should live our lives. But as the days grow darker, here's what we also need to realize. These kinds of things will continue. They will happen. And as they happen, how we respond and how we live our lives in light of it is going to make all the difference. And so for us, know, know this, that this is not, America is not the first place that Christianity has grown. Uh, there are other governments, and this is not the first government that has made decisions that are contrary to what we see to be God's word before us. The question we have to answer, though, is how then should we live? The world around us is changing, and how do we, as the body of Christ, as the people of God, as those who are called to reflect the Father's heart, how do we live in light of these kinds of things that are happening around us? Well, I believe that our greatest example is the greatest example to ever walk this earth, Jesus Christ himself. Would you say he's the right example, church? The example that we should follow, right? And so whenever we look to Jesus' ministry in life, we can go right to John chapter 1, verse 14, because it summarizes the life and ministry of Jesus. Here's what it says. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, meaning Jesus came and he lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, catch this, full of grace and truth. Jesus came and his ministry and his life was full of grace and truth. This reveals to us how we are to live our lives in light of the days that we are currently in. Jesus came and he had this incredible way to live and walk in such a way where he never sinned. Does anyone else have that record here in the room? He never sinned. He never did anything contrary to God's word and God's commandment. In fact, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only do what the Father instructs me to do. So he never sins. That's why he was able to die on the cross for our sins. He was the only one without sin, the only one who did not deserve it, and he did it. And by doing that, he overcame the power of sin and death. So Jesus lived a sinless life, so he lived in such a way where he honored God, where he did not compromise uh, God's standards and what God had revealed to him. He did exactly what the Lord wanted. He walked in complete obedience to the Lord with his life. But that's the way he lived. But there's something else that he did in the way that he loved. The way that Jesus loved people was the greatest example 
of the father's heart that we've ever seen. He loved like that father who saw his child from so far away and was willing to run to him and embrace him in his shame and win him. Jesus was able to love in such a way that sinners and people who were so far from God were able to come near and get saved, right? Where a woman who has had five husbands living with a man that isn't even her husband, where they're able to actually talk and he's able to have a life-changing encounter with her. Where a woman who's caught in the act of adultery is able to experience God's forgiveness and then Jesus, standing on his word, standing on truth, says, go and sin no more. Jesus is not excusing anything that she had done, but giving her his forgiveness and his grace so that her life could be transformed so that she could walk in wholeness and in freedom and in God's salvation. Jesus had a way to live without sin and yet love in such a way that sinners could get saved. And church, that is the balance that we have to strike. We have to be able to live in a way where we're not going to compromise God's word, where we're going to stand firmly on what God has revealed, and yet, If that's all we do, then we just become Pharisees. And sinners will stay far away. And no one will come to Christ. But we also have to match that with a love. A love that reaches out. A love that says God sees you as you are and he can forgive you as you are and he can change your life without compromising. We live without sin. We live in obedience to God. We live without compromise. But yet we love in such a way that it reflects God's heart so that people that are far from him can get drawn to him. If we only love to the point where we're not living it out anymore, then we are compromising ourselves, right? If we only live without that kind of love, then we're missing it. Jesus had the way of coming with grace and truth. That's the way he lived, and that's the way he loved. And when he did that, the world was transformed. And guess what? When his followers do the same, people that are far from God come to know him. Amen. How many of you have been far from God at one point in your life? So thankful for the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel that sets you, but the grace of God that meets you where you are, forgives you, wins you, loves you like a father chasing after his prodigal child. So that's our marching orders, and let's pray that God would allow us to the best of our ability to embody that as a church and as a people. And as we do that, the world around us will be changed. We will be a beacon of light in a world that's growing darker. Amen? Amen. As we look at those two words, the way we live, the way we love, This is how we reflect the image of God in the world. And at the intersection of our living and our loving, whenever we are living out the love of God in a tangible way, do you know what we call that? We call that serving. So the way we live, the way we love, and the way we serve. When those two meet, it's ultimately in the way that we serve others. And by serving others, we are making God's love known to them. Jesus said it this way. Whenever he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so to do that requires that we give of ourselves. We serve others. We lay down ourselves so that they could come to know him. Jesus said, if you love me, then you're going to obey my commandments. That's what he says in chapter 14, verse 21. And you're going to keep them. And if you keep them, you love me. And you're loved by my Father. And I'm going to then disclose myself more to you. It happens whenever we obey him. We walk in obedience to his word. But we also 
in being obedient to his word are going out into the world and being his hands and feet, being his witnesses, being his representatives, being a reflection of the Father's heart in a very dark world, shining brightly as he calls us to. Jesus said he didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what he says in Mark's gospel, chapter 10. He says, I came to lay down my life for others. I came to serve them and not just to be served. The Father's heart was fully on display when Jesus served, when he served the least, when he served the last, when he served the lost. When Jesus put himself out there and served others, those were the greatest expressions of the Father's love to people around them. In church, we can come together and we can love God with all our strength, with all our words, with all our hands lifted high. We can come together every Sunday and we can have the greatest services within this building and we can be like a bright bright light that is shining within the walls of 1251 Terrell Road and we can do it to the glory of God and I believe that it will please the heart of God as we worship him but if we're only doing that I believe that just as we read about in in Isaiah whenever the Lord's talking he says I love I love all the songs I love all the things you're saying, but you're refusing to go and live it out in the world. And the widow and the orphan and those that are in need are being overlooked. That is also your spiritual act of worship. So we're called to worship the Lord with everything we are here, but we're also called to love our neighbor and to shine that light, not just in this room, but out in the world. Here's where it's going to get more and more difficult because the world's going to get darker and darker. And in here, you can shine your light brightly and no one maybe would even notice because everyone's shining their light in this room. But if you go out into a pitch dark room and you're the only one shining your light, you're drawing a lot of attention to yourself. And some of you are not comfortable drawing that much attention to yourself. And the Lord has to now deal with you on that because there will come a time and we're seeing it in the world around us where it will not be popular to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And you're gonna have to make a decision why still let my light shine then. Jesus said, don't hide it under a bushel. Don't hide it under a basket. Don't put it away somewhere. Shine brightly so that all can see and give glory to my Father in heaven. That's what we're called to do, church. When we do that, the world around us has changed. When we do that, we are reflecting the Father's heart through our service. Two years ago, in 2013, when I became the senior pastor here at Evangel, I had prayed and asked God to give us a vision as a church of where he was calling us to. And as a leadership, he had spoken to us and had given us just four words, four words that we clung to and we were asking him to now disclose more to us. Those four words were this, changed lives, changing lives. That's the vision that God has given to us, that we would be a church where people's lives would be changed, but also they would go out and see others' lives changed as a result of what the Lord has done in them. And so we asked the Lord to bring us more articulation of that. We wanted to understand our vision in a more fuller way. And before he gave us all the words and all the vocabulary and the changed life that we've been talking about, he gave us a picture. He gave me a picture. The picture was this. What would it look like if on a Sunday morning we came together and instead of just singing songs and hearing a word, we became the message to our community? What happens on a Sunday if we exchanged our service to go out and serve the community with the love of Christ? What if on one Sunday, we, we weren't inside the walls of the church, but we were being the church in the community? What would happen? How bright would the light shine around us? How many people could see the love of Christ in a tangible way and perhaps even come to the Lord? And that's when we launched in 2013 what we called Service for Service. 
It was us exchanging our church service to go out and serve the community. And we did that, and God did an amazing work through that. We learned a lot of lessons uh, during that time, but what was most important is a lot of lives were touched. And I want to take a moment to just show you a brief video of what Service for Service was all about back in 2013. Some of you, you're going to see your face here, and some of you, you're new. You get to see what it's all about. make me cry. Words can't explain. Words can't explain. To be able to go out and to just help others who otherwise would just be alone by themselves. It's awesome. I'm being honored because the man upstairs got them to do this here and they're doing a beautiful job. I guess they will know we are Christians by our love, right? And this is how we show our love. You have been such a, a giving church, you know. And then when this happened, when I got the, the, the thing on the door, and I was like, again, what are they going to do this time? And when I called, and then you said you would help me, and I said, wow, you see that? Fue como un milagro de Dios porque encontré el, uh, el size en la puerta. Tengo palabras para agradecerle. Y gracias a Dios y a ustedes voy a hacerlo. It's like healing. You pray for healing, but sometimes you gotta lay hands. So this is actually laying hands. We are so very grateful and so very thankful for all the efforts on all of your congregation working out here today. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Uh, we don't have to take a plane or a bus out to another uh, country or state just to do mission work. We can go in our own backyard because there's so much need and it's just a really awesome experience to be the message. Whenever we shared the vision for Service for Service with you as a church, we saw over a thousand people sign up to show interest in being a part of a day like that. When the day came around, over 800 of you took to the streets. Uh, we saw over 130 of our children uh, here in the building doing service projects, uh, sending them out to our nursing homes and other areas. We were able to go and minister in nursing homes and soup kitchens. We were able to minister at a special needs school and build them a memorial garden. We were able to work with Habitat for Humanity, and Jeremy Montgomery's here from Plainfield Habitat for Humanity. He's with us today, and he was with us then as we 
we were able to work on two homes and see some incredible work take place there. Uh, we were able to see such incredible things take place throughout that day, and God uh, truly did an amazing work. More importantly, we saw people come to Christ. We saw one man get baptized a week afterwards because of what God was doing and how we were shining his light. Well, we learned a lot of lessons, and we realized we need to plan this. If it's going to be a large event like this, we need a lot more time to bring it together. And so starting in 2013, we realized the next time we would do it would be 2015. So we took all that time. Uh, we have a great team, Maria, who's on our staff, along with a team of uh, many of you inside the body, have been working for the last months to see Service for Service 2015 take place. And we're excited because it's coming back. It's going to be on the 11th of October of this year. We're going to go out again. We're going to exchange service to go out and serve our community. We're going to see hundreds of people hit the streets again, seeing the people in our community served with the love of Jesus Christ. Do we want you to be a part of it? We already have projects that are coming in. We have a very large project with Habitat for Humanity to do landscaping for five new homes that they've built for people that are going to be moving in in the next months after the 11th of, uh, of October. It's going to be an amazing opportunity for us to walk right alongside of them, to serve them as they're moving into this new homes. Uh, we have other projects. We're going to be serving um, in a lot of different ways, children's outreaches all around. We want you to be a part of it. And today is the first opportunity for you to get signed up and to get connected to say, I'm ready. So if you reach down on the end of your pew, you have a basket with some cards and pens. Take it and begin to pass sit down the aisle, and I'll invite Pastor Brian to come on up here at any moment. Um, he'll be preparing for the next part of our service. And what you have here is a response card. This is a tear-off card, so make sure that as you fill it out, you can tear it off. Uh, on the back, you see there's an opportunity for your children to also be involved. Any children ages 3 through third grade, we're going to have Pastor Kerry and our children's ministry team will be leading them with some special service projects here within the building. That means anyone that's grades four and up, you're going to be able to participate with, as a family, with your parents in this amazing opportunity. So we want you to get signed up. You can fill it on the front there and let us know your information. Sign up as a family. Give us your t-shirt size. Sign up your children's names on the back. Then you can tear off that card and hold on to this as a reminder of that day. You could save the date. Once you hand in this card, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get regular updates from the team, letting you know about projects. Uh, in a little while, in a few weeks, we're going to be having some project signups, and you get a first opportunity to see the different ways that we will be engaging and serving our community. Begin to pray for us. We'll give you prayer updates and ways that you can join us in prayer and supporting this great uh, effort. And we are trusting that God is going to do an amazing work as we see our lives begin to live out the love of Christ through our service. When we do that, we're shining his light in the world and we're seeing more changed lives, changing lives. Amen? As we're getting ready to fill those cards out, and some of you may have already begun that, I want to take a moment and I'm just going to pray for us. Today, this is your response. Many times we leave wanting you to think about something, wanting you to reflect to something, wanting you to respond to the Lord in some way. Today's response is this. Will you put the Father's love in action through your service? Will you be the hands and feet of the Father to a world that so desperately needs to see of his love, his grace, and his truth? 
As you're responding today on this card, you're doing so much more than that. You're saying, Lord, I want to be a reflection of the Father's heart in this world. And in the weeks and months leading up to October 11th, we're going to be praying together as a church for the hope of our communities to be restored, for a revival to begin. And it will begin through us giving physical demonstrations of the goodness of the Lord, showing them what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Let us be the reflection of the Father's heart in the community around us. Let me pray for us now today. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for your word. And we thank you today, Lord God, that in the world that we live in, we can put our hope in you and you are the rock that never fails us. Lord God, we thank you today that you've given us an example that we can follow. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's power to lead us into all truth. We thank you for your example, Lord. You came and you dwelt among us, Lord. You lived a perfect life. And Lord, you loved in such a way that people that were far from you could come to know you. And we pray that, Lord, we would be living examples of that in the world around us. We pray for this day, Lord God, on October 11th, when we come together collectively as a body to say this is what the love of God looks like in a tangible way. And so, Lord, we pray now that you would make a way. We pray now that hearts would begin to soften. We pray now, Lord God, that tears would fall and, and prodigals would return home. We pray now, Lord God, that those who have been soured by religion would come back into a living relationship with you when they see your love on display. Lord God, would you unite us together as a body? And Lord God, we pray that we will be able to reflect the Father's heart through the way that we serve the least, the last, the lost, and the way that we love our neighbor as ourself. Lord, I pray that as each person makes this commitment today to join in, to take part, to put their faith in action, Lord God, that we would shine brightly, we would be a beacon of hope in this community and beyond for your glory and in your name we pray, amen.